word of the Lord in Genesis 37. One verse, verse number 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. Nice family. <laughs> Father, thank you for your amazing plans for us. They're good. They're not evil. So we recognize that in these plans to get from here to there, there will be detours. There will be tests you allow. But we must persist in our pursuit of your destiny. You have willed us to be overcomers. So help us today to learn how to be one. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. In verse number 19, these same brothers, <clears throat> they said to one another, Look, the dreamer is coming. Joseph was 17 years old when God gave him a world-changing dream. God has a dream for everybody here today. God has a dream for your life. And often when we hear about people who've had dreams, we, we, we tend to think of George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or Bill Gates. Uh, you've got to do something on the magnitude of one of these three in order to make a difference somewhere. If your dream isn't massive and it doesn't, you know, doesn't do something spectacular, it doesn't matter to God. That's not true. The dream God has for your education, for your business, for your career, for your family and children, those are good dreams, God-given dreams, because God cares about your future. That's why he's given every person a dream. God's given a dream to our church and a dream to every person in this church to help build the body of Christ at Calvary Christian Center. Now, when God desires to bless you, he gives you light. And the word says this, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So when God desires to bless you, he'll give you light. And when I speak of God's dream for your life, it means you can see it. God turns on the light and suddenly you see what you can do and who you can be. That moment is inspirational. It sets you on fire. Because if God wanted to judge you, he doesn't have to kill you. He just turns off the light. And suddenly you're in darkness. And you don't know what to do with your life. You don't know where you're going. You're confused. Listen, the greatest blessing that can come into your life when God turns on the light and you see you in your dream. You see yourself in your career, in your destiny, in the ministry, in the body of Christ God's called you to, in the fulfillment of God's purpose. I've seen God's dream for the future of Calvary Christian Center. I've preached in that sanctuary. I've conducted altar services there. I've seen the people coming forward to give their lives to Christ. So when God shows it to you, it's a powerful moment. The dream begins to develop with God turning on the light, and you acquire his dream for your life. And people who are leaders always have a great dream. They're thinking forward. They're planning ahead. It's a dream that drives you. It affects how you talk. It affects how you think. It affects how you live. And don't be a dream killer, especially to your children. Let God turn on the light and reveal their possibilities. When the Epcot Center was dedicated and opened at Disney World in Orlando, Florida, Walt Disney had already passed. His wife was present, and the mayor of Orlando was making remarks and said in front of Mrs. Disney, it's sad that Walt didn't live to see this day. And Mrs. Disney responded with a big smile, and she said, he saw this day before you saw it. 
He saw it before we saw it because he planned it and he dreamed it. He lived it before he ever got to be in it. That's the power of a God-given dream. George Bernard Shaw said, dream of things that never were and ask, why not? And someone one day asked, why not? So in, in that vein, why can't we build a craft that can fly and transport us? Someone looked at the old telephone. It started with a rotary dial. <laughs> it hung on the wall. Then it advanced to a push button. And then the cord, of course, that you had began to get a little bit longer. In the first generation, you were stuck to the wall, anchored by a cord. And then all of a sudden, now you had a longer cord, and you could get a little bit more mobile. Then someone dreamed and created the cordless telephone. You were totally untethered. You could walk anywhere in the house or in your backyard. Then someone dreamed of a, a phone that you could take anywhere you went. And the first ones were as big as a brick. They were heavy and they were bulky. You'd go to the mall and walk around, talk to your spouse or back to your office. And they had an antenna sticking way out of the top of them. <clears throat> then someone dreamed of a smartphone. And that little smartphone you're carrying around with you has more computer power in it than the Apollo spacecraft that took our first men to the moon. Let that process for a moment. And someone said, the difference between cell phones and people, cell phones are getting thinner and smarter. <laughs> so I want to take the word dream and make an acrostic for you today. I want to use each letter of the word dream to describe the impact that God has for you. So first, the letter D in the word dream will distinguish you. A dream will distinguish you. And, and, and when God gives you a dream, it'll cause you to stand out. When God gives you a dream, it marks you. A dream will make you different from other people. In our culture and world today, to step up and make a difference, all you need to do is have a God-given dream, God-given direction. Joseph had a coat of many colors, it distinguished him from everybody else in his family. Elton John has tried to copy that coat, and, but he's no Joseph. And, and everywhere Joseph went, he carried that dream and wore that coat of favor. The dream distinguished Joseph. When a student has a God-given dream, they begin to be distinguished from others who have no direction. That's why it's important to everybody in this body to know where God has planted you here, what your skill sets are, and what the dream God has for you, so you can accomplish what it is God wants in your life and through you in this body's life. If you don't have a God-given dream, start getting around people who do have a dream, because you'll start developing a hunger from the crumbs off of their table. And when you hang around those who've got a God-given dream, it awakens your awareness to your God-given dream. But all too often today, people choose to hang around those unmotivated to achieve anything. So hear this. When you take that position, you will never do anything or be anything of significance. So be around those with a God-given dream, and you'll begin to see what you can be and what you can do. Second, the R in the word dream, <clears throat> dreams release, release your potential. They release you to grow. 
There are businesses that today provide giant fish aquariums for offices and lobbies of larger businesses. One of those businesses is featured on the animal planet called Tanked. And the chief officer of that aquarium business said that the number one fish requested for display in the aquariums of these large companies is a small shark. (laughs) Their leadership overwhelmingly want a shark in their aquarium tank. And the chief officer said, if you place a shark in the tank, it will only grow to about eight inches on average. But if that same shark is placed in the ocean, it'll grow up to four feet in length. So the point, the shark will not grow larger than its environment. So the same is true in your life. If all you do is think narrowly, splash around in the puddle, instead of launching out into the deep, if you don't allow yourself to see what God can do through you where God's planted you, you will never grow any larger. You'll you'll never embrace all God planned for your life. So there's a spiritual progression that God wants in your spiritual walk with him. You are to develop spiritually and grow into maturity. Ezekiel 47 records it as the water comes out from under the temple of the Lord and a river is formed first from a trickle, then to a larger creek and to a river and to a big body of water. And he goes on to say in verses 3 that he went into the ankle, ankle depth, and then measured a little longer and then he was up to his knees in the water. After a while, continuing to walk out into the water, he went up to his waist in water. And then in verse 5, by that time, it was deep enough for him to swim in. And God wants to make swimmers out of all of us. So Calvary Christian Center, welcome to the dream room. This is what this is. And as we come together for purpose and worship, understand, we serve a big, mighty God. And for some, it's time to get out of the shallows and step into the deeper water of your spiritual growth so that God can use you where he's placed you. You step into that deeper water, starting with ankle, and then knee, and then waist deep, until you actually start swimming and making a difference where God's placed you. So let God grow you. Let God expand your ability to serve him. Let God release your potential in the body of Christ. Third, the E principle is encourage in the word dream. When you receive God's dream into your life, it will encourage you. And there's something about a dream that brings encouragement and joy and peace when you face your wilderness detours. The dream adds a new sense of passion. It adds determination. You start focusing. The people who are depressed and are always discouraged are those who have no dream. Because when you have a dream, it it gets you up in the morning, and there's energy when you throw your feet over the side of the bed. You're excited to get dressed. You're excited to get busy about your purpose. You're excited about the day because you've got a dream. Because the dream has power to encourage you. And the fourth EA principle affects the prevailing attitudes. Attitudes. When you have a dream, that God-given dream will attack prevailing attitudes. Orville and Wilbur Wright, most people don't know, they were the sons of a Methodist bishop. And their daddy, a pastor, got up on a Sunday one day, and in the time of his ministry it was said, if God wanted man to fly, he would have given him wings. But his two sons felt the challenge in their hearts about those prevailing attitudes of that day, reflected even by their dad. 
And those boys went to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and they broke the prevailing attitude that, that man cannot fly, and they changed the world with their dream. Aren't you glad you can board a plane and go anywhere in the world? When you have a God-given dream, it will affect your attitude. And usually you'll have to combat the prevailing attitudes. God-given dreams shatter common-held attitudes of the day. It can't be done. We've never done that before. No one has ever succeeded in attempting that. Anytime God's given you a dream, sooner or later, you've got to step back from those naysayers that just want to splash in the little shallows, and you've got to talk to those who have climbed the mountain before you and catch some faith-building attitudes, rekindling your faith. Periodically, I need to spend time with some of my friends in ministry, people who've been mentors to me. They stretch my faith. They rekindle vision in my life. They get me out of the shark tank into the ocean so I can see the big picture where God's placed me. So when you have a dream, God, listen, God gives you, it will affect your attitude. Others that have been there will take note of the God-given dream in your life. And that God-given dream will drive you to reach your potential. It stands against the prevailing attitudes of many, which is this. Don't push us. Just leave us. We want to be comfortable in our security. That's the prevailing attitude of today. Number five, the M principle stands for motivate. Your God-given dream will motivate you. A dream motivates you like nuclear fusion in your soul, and your energy will be in proportion to your dream. A study was released about those people who retire early, and you know that word is not in the Bible. So do a word search. You won't find the word retire anywhere in the Scripture. Did you know that? Now you know. It's not in the Bible. It's not a biblical word. Go find somebody God retired. Just don't want to bust your balloon, but that's not how God designed you. Not to retire. But those who retire, and those especially who retire early, every time, every time in these studies, those who retire early with nothing to do, nowhere to go, no focus, no goals, nothing to get up for in the morning, Nothing to do within three years, their health declined. There was nothing to excite them, nothing to motivate them, nothing to challenge them. In Germany, they did a similar study about motivation, and they used rats. <laughs> they took rats, and they would feed the rats every day. And the rats, one group of them, did nothing to find their food. They just sat there every day, and the food was handed to them, and they were being fed every day. Had nothing else to do. The second group of rats were placed in a different maze every day, a different one. So those rats had to face a new challenge every day and new difficulty of getting through that new maze every single day to get to their food source in order to survive and eat. And then they compared the two groups. Those who had to get through a maze that was different every single day to get to their food lived way longer than the rats that just sat there doing nothing, having food handed to them every day. Somebody ought to teach that to Congress, okay? Why? They had a goal. They had to solve problems to get to their food. The point, if you have no goal, if there's nothing to stimulate your brain, 
If there's nothing to stir your spirit, nothing to stir your passion, if you don't have challenges, you're not going to stay alive. You'll first die inside. Then you'll die physically and you'll disintegrate into a pile of dust in no time because you have no dream. So I don't care the chronological age. Everybody needs a dream. Joseph had a dream and it drove him through every kind of test imaginable. Dreams motivate us. They energize us. They fire us up. As a boy, there were heroes of faith in my life, and they challenged me week in and week out to believe that God could use me. My pastors, the evangelists that came through. We had probably nobody even knows what those are anymore because there's so few of them traveling around. I'm grateful I was exposed to them. Missionaries. And many of them not only encouraged me, they laid hands on me, and they believed God for his dream in my life. And their anointing rubbed off on my life. So my ministry didn't begin here. It began as a boy, seeing it, experiencing it, embracing it. And that God-given dream motivated me to be serving in the church wherever there was a need. I learned to paint walls in my home church. I learned to sweep floors in my home church. I learned to memorize passages of scripture in my home church. I learned to worship and to sing and minister in my church. A God-given dream did that. And God used me in my church. Some of you need to understand you need a God-given dream. You aren't constructed to remain in ankle-deep kiddie pools of water. You begin there, but that's the journey to your destiny. And some Christians, well, you know, they just want to kind of cruise and They don't like strong leadership. You need a shark in your tank to motivate you to grow up beyond the tank. And the God-given dream keeps you moving. It gets you up every day, keeps you alive. What are you doing to pursue the dream that God has for you at Calvary Christian Center? Are you reaching any of those goals at Calvary Christian Center? Where do you see yourself in ministry at Calvary Christian Center? All too many, all they want is easy. But God is a God who wants to give you a dream that drives you. And he wants you to fulfill that ministry and that vision. So when you embrace your God-given dream, you'll become a target. (laughs) Your success will become a threat to someone's insecurity. And when you have a dream, not everyone will be excited about your dream. He really thinks he's going to do that? Dreams always challenge the status quo. Dreams stir up criticisms. They stir up attacks. At Yale University, a professor had a student named Fred Smith from Memphis, Tennessee. And Fred was working on his MBA, master's in business. And, and he had, for, for his final, he had to write a business plan for his thesis. And the professor graded the thesis work he turned in on this business plan with a big C on the top of it. And the professor said to Fred, your plan is not very good at all. And Fred went out with that exact business plan, and he began a company called Federal Express. It set the delivery system on its heels. It changed the way we think about shipping. His professor said, when we send coffee over to the military in the war zones, when we ship hundreds and hundreds of pounds of coffee, it goes Federal Express. We're still being blessed by that man's dream. His professor said, 
It's just an average business model at best. Now, I love these professors. They never do it, but they want to tell everybody else how to do it. Okay. In 1859, Edmund Drake said, if I create a drill bit large enough, I can drill for oil in the earth and create energy. People said, you're crazy. They ridiculed his idea. He began the process of designing that bit, drilling for oil. We're all beneficiaries of that today. He changed our world. And people will judge you. They'll talk negatively about you. When you have a dream, criticism goes with the territory. Get ready. People criticize. And sometimes they wrap it up in a super spiritual package. You ever notice that? They see things like, well, there's been some success, but really what is the motive? Well, their church is doing well, but I wonder, is it all about numbers or they really care? Are you ready for some truth? Is that are you ready for the truth? That thinking is not attractive to me. Whiny persons without a dream who criticize those who have one. Can't you discover something to do with your life beside criticizing somebody? These kind don't win anybody to Jesus. They never assist you in helping grow the body of Christ. They don't reach anybody. They don't have any significance in their life except being a professional negaholic. They're not just negative, they're addicted to negative. They're negaholics. And I'm saying there are many people who have allowed themselves to become very negative in our culture, and they bring it to the body of Christ. Listen, you better grow some thicker skin, because there are people who will criticize you. There are people who criticize spiritual leaders in the church, but that does not deter me from what God has asked me to do and called me to do. I'm still going to love you, still care for you. And if you don't love me, you and Jesus are going to settle that one day. Amen. I've been through enough of the stuff. I can smell negative coming from a block away. You will have people who don't like you because you've got a dream. Joseph's story tells us that. And dream problems are the best problems. Because in life, you're going to have problems. And if you don't do anything, you're going to have problems. So if you have dream, listen, if you have a dream, you're going to have problems. I'd rather move toward my destiny and create a few problems. I'd rather deal with those problems getting, to, getting me to my dream than doing nothing and having problems. Dream problems are the best problems. So seek the face of God for your dream and your destiny Because excuses are the crutches of the uncommitted. There's always a reason to quit. Ray Kroc was 54 years old. He left his sales position in Chicago and started a hamburger chain known as McDonald's. At 54, Ray Kroc started dreaming. I can do something beyond what I'm doing. Moses was 80 when he took the children of Israel and led them out of Egypt. Colonel Sanders was 65 years old when he started finger-licking good. I can smell that right now. (laughs) Some of you need to realize you're just hitting your stride. You need to grow bolder, not older. Look at some of these people. If you dream about something enough, it can come true. It happened to me, 80-year-old, skydiver, windsurfer. Look at this. You just don't let that rocking chair take over. You get up and go, even if you don't want to. 102-year-old cowgirl. (laughs) Love it. I said, if he can do it, I'm going to try. 
taught himself to read at 92. And then he wrote and published a book at 96. Oh, my. Huh? Some of you have just entered your prime. Ronald Reagan was 69 when he was elected to his first term as president. How would you compare his leadership with those, say, a little less experienced than Ronald Reagan? Does anybody believe you ought to have a dream no matter what your age? Yet we have people whining about life and ready to throw in their towel at 35 and 40 because all your dreams haven't come to pass. Tell your neighbor, I'm in the best years of my life. There'll be times when your circumstances are inconsistent with your dreams. Joseph had a dream. Then his brothers attacked him. He was thrown into a pit. He was sold as a slave. He was sold to the house of Potiphar as another slave. He was falsely accused of rape. He was imprisoned for years for a crime he didn't commit. Those circumstances were inconsistent with God's destiny for his life, but God used them to get him where he needed to go. In those moments, you've got two choices. You can reduce your life to your present circumstances and leave it right there. Just give up on your dream and settle. Or you can believe through God that your life will catch up with your dream if you won't quit and you don't give up. Never allow circumstances to change the dream that God put into your heart. Never. And here's how you tackle those circumstances. When you're waiting, when you're working, doing the things God's asked you to do, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie Though it tarries, in other words, you have to wait. Wait for it, because it will surely come. And then dreams demand integrity. Joseph's life teaches us this principle. When God began raising him to his destiny, he was now in the house of Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was a very high-ranking individual in the Egyptian kingdom, owned a palatial home, a huge plantation, and had multiple servants working for him. But Joseph found himself around the housewives of Potiphar. Mrs. Potiphar put on her biblical dress when she spied Joseph. Lo and behold. And she did all she could to seduce Joseph and compromise his integrity. But dreams will demand integrity. She was persistent in attempting to compromise him. And the enemy understands that men are visual. came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, look, my master does not know what is with me in this house. He's committed all that he has to my hand. I'm doing everything I need to do. And he allows me to do it because he trusts me. There's no one greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you, that's Potiphar's wife, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now she persisted, and as it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. He avoided her. Smart man. Your integrity will be tested when you have a dream. And God wants to get you to your destiny. A dream will require integrity. It will require morality. Listen, the higher God raises you, you'll be required from that position not to take advantage of other people. 
And what others believe about you is never as important as what you believe about you. There are many people who believe many things without knowledge. But what you believe about you is more important than what people believe about you. And there are two reasons dreams break down. First, people quit believing in God. And second, people quit believing in themselves. I know people who believe in God, but they don't believe in themselves. I know people who believe in themselves, but they don't believe in God. And those two have to come together. You have to believe in God, and you have to believe in yourself if you're going to fulfill the destiny God called you to. And another principle Joseph teaches us, teaches us to help others with their dream while you're waiting for your dream to come to pass. Joseph assisted the butler with his dream. He assisted the baker with his dream. Joseph helped Pharaoh with his dream, and he saved the whole world from starvation. My question for you, who are you helping with their dream? What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. And you ought to write that down somewhere. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Paul wrote it like this, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Through your resources, opportunities, you're helping others fulfill their dream because if nothing is happening with your dream, it's a sign you need to assist someone else with their dream. So destinies are fulfilled when you get a plan. P-L-A-N. Quickly, P. Pray it out. Pray it out. If you don't surround your dream in prayer, it will collapse. Pray. P. L. Lay it out. Write it out. The Word says make the vision plain. Write it down. What God is saying to you. A. Act it out. Take action. Take some steps in the direction of your dream. And small steps matter. Jesus made that really clear. You know, people want to take these giant leaps. I'm going to go from here to this. Listen to me. It doesn't work like that. There are no escalators or elevators in God's kingdom. Only ladders. Okay? One step at a time. And Jesus said, if you're not faithful where I've placed you and the small things I've given you, I'm not going to trust you to be faithful with the bigger So if I give you this little assignment, take care of it. Make sure it's done completely well. Begin moving with small steps. So what do I do now? Even though it seems insignificant, move in the direction God's given you. In this body, there are directions that we can give you, steps you can take, and God will begin to unfold your dream in this body of believers. And navigate it out. Navigate it out. A Navy SEAL commander said this about plans. Quote, I have never seen a plan of attack survive the battle. End quote. And I thought, wow. What was he saying? He was saying, you need a plan, but once you engage in battle, you have to learn to expect the unexpected. You've got to flex your plan. You've got to navigate your plan. You begin with a plan. You always plan. Always But you learn to flex and turn and modify the plan. And if that didn't work, you attempt another direction. You navigate the plan. So Joseph teaches us about dreams and the seasons of life. And he said there's going to be seven years of plenty. Then there are going to be seven years of famine. So it is with your dreams. There are times when it's amazing in your life. And there are times when it's a tremendous struggle. And man, it is burdening your life. You always go through seasons. 
But remember, there are no permanent seasons. Everything is changing. Your body goes through changes and seasons. There are changes in everything you find yourself doing in life. Someone said, in marriage, there are seasons. And I said, wow, what do you mean by that? And he said, there are three seasons to marriage, lust, rust, and dust. <laughs> it was a negative guy. You know, he, he needed to figure some things out. And if that's the way he looked at it, it was, that's a poor position, right? And if you put off the matter today, it's going to cost you tomorrow. If that service engine light is on in your dash today, it's going to cost you tomorrow. I know men in our church who refuse to go to the doctor for checkups on a regular basis. They don't want to face the possibility something might need attention. You better go. What you put off today will cost you tomorrow. Procrastination. And a self, and listen, a a dream produces discipline in your life. It's self-denial. David would be presiding over herds of sheep. Minimum wage job. There's a kid anointed to be the king of Israel. And what happens to him? He's on a minimum wage job taking care of sheep. But he didn't waste his opportunity. He practiced with his sling. Think that came in handy later? He wrote songs of worship. We read about them when we open the Psalms. He learned to play an instrument. One day in the palace of the king, that gift of playing that instrument saved his life from a demon-possessed king. While watching sheep, he learned life's applications. When a bear came, when a lion came, he knew what to do. He knew how to handle them. So when he faced the giant, he was ready. While no one was watching, David was in training for reigning. David went from tending sheep to delivering pizza. Think about this. He was sent by his father with cheese and bread to the battlefield to feed his brothers. So he brought them pizzas. But he did not waste that season in his life. Everything about life, everything about sorrow, everything about hurts and rejection and failure, God will make it fertilizer for your dreams and destiny. Every job, every employer, God makes it fertilizer for your dream. In the movie Saving Private Ryan, there were three brothers, two of three lost their lives in World War II. One more brother was still fighting in Europe. And the assignment to a special ops group was to go find that third brother and send him home, lest he be killed in World War II, along with the two previous brothers. They wanted to save his parents from further suffering and loss. Bring Private Ryan home so one brother survives this war. That unit is sent out scouring Europe to find Private Ryan. They didn't have communications, of course, like we've got today. These guys began to die. These operators began to die, engaging the enemy while looking throughout Europe for Private Ryan, finding out, where is he? Have you seen him? Yeah, it was the last time we saw him. They move and engage another enemy battalion and end up with losses again. And they gave their lives trying to get one man home to his mother. In the final scene, the commander has been fatally shot. He's lying on a bridge and he's dying. Private Ryan is standing there and the commander reaches up and he grabs him and he pulls him down. And he says to Private Ryan, earn this. Make your life count for something. Make it worth it. 
All of us have given up our lives and died to find you. So do something with your life that's significant. As Jesus looks at a generation in our culture wasting away on drugs and parties without focus, he probably wants to grab them and pull them close and say, do something significant with your life. Make it count. Some of you had ancestors who were slaves. They paid a tremendous price so you could be where you are. Make it count. Some of us had immediate relatives who came from another country to give us an opportunity. Make it count. You're better than substance abuse. You're better than broken homes. Some of my ancestors and your ancestors would want to grab some people today and say, make your life count. Do something with your life. Get God's dream for your life. And don't major in minors. When you've got a dream, there come a lot of distractions. Don't go hunting for rabbits in tiger country. Beware of tigers. And if you're tiger hunting, don't sweat the rabbits. Okay? When you're pursuing your destiny, there's always going to be petty distractions to get you off what you're called to do. You know, people come out of this glorious church services that God's given us. It's great worship. We hear the word. We've got praying around the altars. And I'll be out greeting people as they leave. Inevitably, someone will come through the line with something like this. Do you believe in eternal security? Coming out of the greatest service and all they notice, rabbits. Miss the tiger. Okay? If you're not careful, you get your focus off the tiger on the petty stuff. We are here to win souls, change lives, terrorize the devil, populate heaven, and empty hell. That's what we're here for. Don't major in minors with people. You don't have time for that. Get God's dream and his destiny and tell somebody, dream God's dream. Say you're a world changer. And God wants to change our world here in our, in our community, in our city. And he wants to use our church to be a difference maker and a world changer. You know, we've got all the talent we need to rock this community and rock this county and make a difference that the whole world knows about. Why? Because we've got the name above all names. His name is on the banner we hold. Jesus, the Christ. Wow. How about lifting your hands? Jump to your feet. Thank God that you're alive today. God gave you a dream to live out and a purpose in this body. And he'll show you, he'll turn the light on and show you who you can be in the body of Christ. Because we need everybody, 100% participation from every level. The things you've been through have been but nothing but fertilizer to get your dream flourishing, productive, aroma of the greatest fragrances of flowers and fruits that the blessing of God upon this church could be so phenomenal. 
Jesus Christ would be glorified. Wow. Thank him, saints. Thank him. Thank him.